Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Boingo, boingo. You might want to look that up on the Google machine, kids. There is a deal, possibly, between Ford and the United Auto Workers. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. I had said I thought this was going to go to lockouts and done. Somebody who knows more than I did said, ooh, wait for it. Here we go. 25% pay bump for assembly line workers as part of this deal. Wall Street Journal with the story. An 11% bump in the first year. This according to Chuck Browning, who is the lead uh, for the UAW with Ford. The overall increase, which is spread over four years, would put the top wage for assembly workers at around $40 an hour, almost making as much as what producer Jonathan makes. Let me just do the math here. 40 times 40 times 4 times 12... So 76, eight, 77,000 a year. Is that how I have it? That's what For I assembly got. workers. Did I do the math right? Yeah, I got 76, eight. Yeah. 76, eight. That's, that's, that's what I got uh, to right, right there. Almost, almost as much as uh, what producer Jonathan is making. Bringing in the bank producer of this show right here. Cost of living adjustments, which were suspended in 2009 and the right to strike over plant closures. We will see. We will see whether or not this deal gets done, and we'll see whether or not General Motors and Stellantis follow suit. And we will see whether Sean Fain, the president of the union, he's from Indiana, you know, and see if he screws this up. Because he really seems to like a camera. He likes being on TV. And he likes to do ridiculous things like wear shirts that say, eat the rich. Ridiculous. Focus on your rank and file there. All right, kitten? Don't be be showing us your personality. We don't want your personality. What we want, or I should say what they want, as the rank and file, is the good deal. So um, get it done and move on with your day. That would be... Fantastic. A new Speaker of the House. Now what should we expect from Republicans? Congresswoman Erin Hounchin scheduled to join us next to discuss it. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. The challenge before us is great, but the time for action is now, and I will not let you down. was a love fest for the Republicans yesterday as Mike Johnson of Louisiana gets all the votes 
and become Speaker of the House. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Congresswoman Erin Houchin joins me right now. She represents the 9th District of Indiana, serves on the Financial Services Committee and the Education and Workforce uh, Committees, also uh, putting forth uh, the 21st Century Dyslexia Act, which I pay very close attention to. Congresswoman, good to have you on the show. Let's start with the basics. Uh, Mike uh, Johnson comes into Congress in 2017, and six years later, he's Speaker of the House. Is this exactly how you plan your career to go, and what is your take, or what was your take on Mike Johnson even before the Speaker run? Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. Um, You know, it's not how I plan to to, uh, be in Congress. I I don't know that even Mike Johnson um, planned this, uh, you know, on October 3rd, the House was kind of thrown into chaos, certainly thrown into chaos when Matt Gates and, uh, and eight Republicans uh, joined with 208 Democrats to take out the Speaker of the House. It had never happened before. So we've been in a tumultuous time. Um, but I think we picked the right leader after after several attempts at, at trying to find a what we would consider someone that can bring consensus. And Mike Johnson certainly is that man. Uh, you know, he has led the RSC, which is our largest um, caucus. Um, he's a conservative uh, Christian. Uh, he, he leads uh, with his faith and is a constitutional lawyer. And I, I think, you know, after all that we've been through, um, what the country is going through, he is the, the really the perfect leader for this time. You know, Mike Pence says a time such as this, and and we are in that time, and Mike Johnson is the right leader, and I was excited to support him, as as were my colleagues clearly with unanimous support for him. Talk to me about those votes for Jim Jordan and that decision that that Scalise really couldn't even make it to the floor. These these are longtime guys, Scalise, longtime in 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 leadership. What was the real sticking point? regarding both of these men. Let's start with uh, Steve Scalise. So I, I think what you saw there, uh, Tony, honestly, being you know in the room for all of these votes and, and conference meetings, um, what it seemed like that people were very upset about what happened to Kevin McCarthy, um, and they were just couldn't get there for uh, a Steve Scalise or a Jim Jordan candidacy in that first iteration. Then you saw... Um, so there were about 20 to 30 people that just were not moving off of we're not voting for um, Mr. Scalise. And and um, unfortunately, you know, and he, he's he's um, been diagnosed with cancer and he's an American hero. Uh, but people were just so angry at that moment that I think, you know, had the election been held at a different time, it might have it might have turned out much differently Then after what happened to Steve Scalise. Uh, people were mad about that. And so you saw a different group of about 20 people who were opposed to Jim Jordan. And so in a conference that is only four, four, uh, a four-seat majority, you know, it, we would struggle to find anyone who had not made at least four people mad at some point in their career. And, and uh, so another, I guess, kudos again to Mike Johnson for, for just having good relationships with everyone and and uh, being a team player and, and leading with his faith and um, just a very, very good, good person um, that no one could, I mean, who could object to, to, to him knowing him? 
Um, well, the political left is clearly done. in the throes of, of, of objection. Talking to Congresswoman Erin Hounch in uh, the 9th District of Indiana. I just got to head a little bit south of, of Indianapolis to, to, to find her and, and her district. Uh, but this is just it. For, for people on the outside looking in, it would seem like the conversation would be, wait, who here can we all stomach? I mean, to, to, not to try and be funny about it or not to engage in any kind of uh, denigrating uh, uh, Speaker Johnson. I said on the show, I thought it was going to be Mike Johnson or Byron Donalds who would be, you know, appealing to the to the conference. But yeah. why not start from that place? Did that conversation ever come up? Well, I mean, we, we didn't start from that place because those people did not put in their candidacy until this until this most recent round. And when the votes came down for Steve Scalise, it was basically tied uh, 110 to 99 with eight people who uh, voted for someone else and three people who voted present. So this has been razor thin. Jim Jordan had a similar scenario. Um, uh, there, there's just it was divided. And Tom Emmer came in. Uh, he was one of our nominees and he had about, a, you know, 100 ish. He, he got to the majority with about 100 ish, uh, 100 and 17, I think, votes. So with 222 of us or 221 of us, um, we didn't get the opportunity really to consider Mike Johnson or Byron Donalds until this last iteration um, when we got Tom Emmer, and and he clearly also had a 20 vote, um, 20 to 30 vote problem. So um, excited about Mike Johnson. I know the left uh, does not like him, um, but that makes me love him even more. So here we are. Here we are now. The, the past is prologue, as as they say. You have uh, Speaker Mike Johnson. As a member of this conference, what are you expecting to hit the ground with today as you go to work? Yeah, so um, yesterday we immediately passed a, a resolution condemning Hamas and supporting Israel. Um, and then um, today, uh, and I also filed yesterday the 21st Century Dyslexia Act, um, today, we're taking up uh, some approaches on energy and water and the amendments related uh, to, to the energy and water approaches bill. We had already passed the rule for uh, that out of um, – I'm sorry, we already passed that out of Rules Committee, which I serve on um, before all of this happened, and we're prepared to do this three weeks ago. So we will have legislation on the floor considering amendments to that, um, that approaches bill. The appropriations bills, there are 12 of them. And one of the things we heard from Speaker Johnson is that there will be no more omnibus spending. Uh, You're going to take up spending bills individually. You're a fan of this? Absolutely, yes. That is the best transparency for the American people. An omnibus, you know, leads us to throw things into what is called Christmas trees or Christmas tree bills. And um, I think it's easier for the American people to digest in 12 separate bills. The Senate doesn't typically operate this way, but this was a plan that, that we started with Speaker McCarthy that has prompted the Senate to start to consider many buses versus uh, the approach bills. But at a minimum, the House of Representatives wants to get out all 12 of our bills um, and have those considered um, individually versus together. You talk about the 21st Century Dyslexia Act because sometimes all politics are local. Indeed, it would modernize dyslexia identification to avoid the chance, as you write about it in the press release, of the learning disability going unidentified in students. Why this? What is your connection? And what will this act do for communities here in Indiana and around the country? 
Yeah, so thank you for asking about that. My son is dyslexic, so I came to this as a parent, you know, in the General Assembly. Uh, there, there were, we didn't even have the definition for dyslexia in Indiana um, until I think 2015. Um, when I was in the General Assembly, I passed the universal screening bill. So now we're screening students in K through two for dyslexia. It's a reading disability that impacts 20% of the population. And many, many kids were, were and still are falling through the cracks and being misdiagnosed or uh, misidentified or underidentified and then not receiving the proper accommodations. If there is no, and what the 21st Century Dyslexia Act does is, is, is it defines dyslexia in our federal code under the IDEA. Currently now, um, it's, it's discussed in the IDEA as a specific learning disability related to reading, uh, and dyslexia is not defined. Uh, that means that it has really no meaning to parents um, and, and some educators, really, when, when it comes to, well, what is the root problem here, and how do you identify how to help a child with a specific learning disability related to reading if you don't know what that really means? And so that's what we're trying to do with the Dyslexia Act is to define it so that parents and educators and, and everyone um, will have a, an ability to have an understanding of the, this disability uh, because we know, and my son is proof of this, he was diagnosed in the third grade uh, reading at a first grade six-month level, and now he's a, you know, a freshman in high school and honors English and, and uh, you know, making straight A's. Uh, these kids can succeed, absolutely can succeed. Um, and they, unfortunately, if they, if they do have struggles with reading, the outcomes for that can be very, very poor. Uh, you, it lead, can lead to dropping out of high school. It can lead to interaction criminally. They're just a, all the bad outcomes um, of not supporting these students when they have every they should have every opportunity to be successful and that's what I'm trying to do with the bill. Congresswoman Erin Houchin, you can find out more at Houchin H O U C H I N houchin.house.gov 9th District of Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There's nothing better than somebody on uh, social media who's thrilled to not know what they're talking about. Thrilled to start a fight. Because as we know, yesterday, Jewish students at Cooper Union College in New York basically got locked in a library. As the pro-Hamas protesters, and for the record, they're not pro-Palestinian. It's not about free Palestine, whatever that means. It's pro-Hamas. Grow up, understand what's happening, and then deal with that reality. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. It's pro-Hamas. It is what it is, what it is. So these students were trapped in the... uh, the, the library, and these pro-Hamas protesters are banging on the door. Free Palestine, whatever nonsense they were, they were shouting. The Jewish students are locked inside. According to the dean, as reported by Jake Novak, uh, the protest, uh, he could not stop because it was not slated to enter school property, but it did. 
Then uh, the police uh, were called as soon as the protesters stormed the Cooper Union building, and the police did nothing. Oh, we're used to police doing nothing, aren't we? Librarians bolted the doors and approached the identifiable Jewish students, and I swear to you this is the reporting, and told them they could hide in the attic if they wanted to. Congratulations, Jews. You're all Anne Frank today. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained, and if your rabbi doesn't like it, tell your rabbi to go straight to hell. They're wrong. They're terrible. They're going to get you killed. I've only been saying this for years. I'm not listening to the nonsensical, fakakta, crazy liberal rabbis of Indianapolis or anywhere in Indiana who don't think you should actually go home alive. They're wrong. Tell them they're wrong. They don't understand a thing about Hashem if they actually believe you should put your life on the line when you walk down the street. You actually think that's what God wants for you? You're nuts. So I posted that um, you should send in the National Guard and do whatever is necessary to end this. And then I followed it up with, and Jews, you're under attack. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. By the way, that goes for non-Jews as well. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. The response from Dan, send in the National Guard, you're a blanking idiot. With a... With a Laughy, uh, crying emoji face. Because I know you're serious when you use an emoji. So I responded, we should just let students be held hostage by Hamas supporters banging on the door? Damn, you're a dangerous fool. His response was, no, but you don't need the National Guard for some 19-year-olds walking around with zero weapons, you blanking snowflake. Now, I think you should change the laws in New York so people can carry a weapon. But you don't think that the hundreds on the other side, however many there were, banging on the door is a threat? You don't need the National Guard for that? They won't let you out? If you go out, you're going to be attacked? You don't need the National Guard for that? I needed the National Guard to ensure that black students could go to school. I am exhausted by the ignorant exhausted by the pathetic. You fools. I would rather that those Jewish students be armed so they could walk out there. Well, Tony, don't you see what happens with guns? Haven't you seen what's happened in Maine? Yeah, I sure did. And I'm not giving up my rights. Not now and not ever. It's a time of unbelievable danger. And we are in the hard times, and it's only going to get worse. Because it has to get worse before it gets better. But my gosh. You think these kids are just going to be able to walk home without being physically attacked? Is that what you thought was going to happen? I have got video of Jews being attacked across the country. The anti-Semitism. The, the, the vandalism. What is, what is wrong with you? Oh, it's just some protesters? It's okay? No, if they had protested where they were supposed to, or had been where they, they weren't allowed on campus, right? But no, they came on campus, and then they came into the building, and then uh, they, they went after uh, the, the Jewish students. Am I supposed to wait to see what happens next? Ignorance is an unbelievable thing, and we should work hard to end it. But some people are just going to be ignorant forever. 
your job is to go home alive and safe. If your faith leader says you shouldn't have a gun, your faith leader should be fired. They're not worthy of your time or attention. It's time to make some changes, Indianapolis, America, Jews, and non-Jews alike. I'm Tony Katz, and this is 93 WIBC. The debate watch party presented by yours truly and Americans for Prosperity. That is November 8th. If you follow me over at TonyCats.com or on uh, on the Twitter X, uh, you can get uh, the QR code. And then you can be a part of it. Yep, you got to get your space. You got to get your space reserved. Cigars, old fashions, debate, commentary. That's it. It's going to be a great time. November 8th, presented by Americans for Prosperity. I do work with AFP. I'm sponsored by AFP. I always like full disclosure. And for Dan on, on social media who who thinks you've made a point, um, uh, of course I was right about Cooper Union. Of course you are wrong, and uh, you just want to curse your way through it, man. Knock yourself out. Uh, in, in, enjoy speaking to no one. Good on you. Let us discuss what's going on in Maine. The latest updates are not yet different. This 40-year-old by the name of Robert Card, and the only reason I'm using names is because this is somebody they're trying to find. This manhunt is ongoing. Uh, The murder of, I think the last number was 22. 22 people were killed in Maine. This supposed gun expert, and when I say supposed, it's because this is what we have now, less than 24 hours after this took place, hits two businesses, a bar and a bowling alley, murders 22 people, at least more than 50 people have been wounded. There was reports that he then went to a Walmart distribution center. That has turned out to be not true. That did not happen as we know the story now. What we know, at least as has been reported, is that this is a 40-year-old, a trained firearms instructor with past mental health issues, including uh, hearing voices as he served as an Army reservist stationed, I believe it's pronounced Sacco, S-A-C-O, Sacco, Maine. He had threatened to shoot up the base. This according to law enforcement sources. Police consider him armed and dangerous, and rightfully so. You had residents uh, in Lisbon, Maine, that were ordered to shelter in place. Uh, The Maine State Police had advised local residents and businesses to lock their doors and shelter in place. they They asked people to stay off the streets. I don't think you can actually force people off the streets, but that's a different conversation. There are questions galore here. Including, of course, you mean you mean this guy was known to be a threat and he still had his weapons? Of course that's going to come up. Right now I want them to find this guy. We want to know why these two locations. We want to understand What led to this moment? And we want to know that this guy has been caught. Terrific story.
horrific. And I wish I had more for you. This is what I have. This is all I've got. There is um, most probably going to be more press conferences today. And these two locations, they, they put out a map. They weren't next door to each other. They, 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 they weren't. You'd, you'd had to do a little bit of driving to get from one location to another. I'll, I give you what I got. We'll get more information. We'll share it with you. This is going to be a massive story uh, today. And the questions are right now unlimited. I give you what I know. Find everything, by the way, I'm doing at TonyCats.com. Make sure you become a supporter over there. And, of course, uh, WIBC.com for the latest news.